This episode is brought to you by Cold Storage Coins, the easiest way to own Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. G'day altcoin soldiers of the altcoin buzz army. This is the altcoin buzz podcast with your hosts, Alicia, Matt, and James. Guys, we've had uh, one hell of a week, haven't we? Starting off with the, uh, <laughs> the big news from North Korea. I think that even though it's not crypto topic, that's pretty important news that I think that we should cover a little bit. What do you think? Pretty, yeah. uh, pretty important news for sure. And, uh, you know, look, crypto is such a big deal in South Korea. If you extrapolate down the road and if you're maybe optimistic and think, hey, this could relieve tensions in the Korean Peninsula and maybe open up economic partnerships between the North and the South, kind of bolstering both economies. I think, yeah, maybe ultimately down the road that has consequences, positive ones for crypto. So either way, it's good news. I'm encouraged. Look, you can like Trump. You can dislike Trump. You can hate Trump. I think it's positive. So that's kind of my... uh, Hopefully not too controversial outlook on the issue. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally agree with you. What about you, Leish? I think it's not just great for crypto, but I also think it's just great for the world, for the world peace itself, because, I mean, uh, Mm. it's getting rid of nukes, and (laughs) nukes are a big issue, to be honest. I mean, if uh, somebody fires them, well, it doesn't really matter whether you trade Bitcoin anymore. But... So that's yeah. very true. That is very, very that true. <laughs> and I like that uh, this uh, meeting has been described as a dreamlike encounter and made me think that, yeah, it is a little bit weird because it's uh, sort of a, the apprentice host meets uh, a guy in an oversized suit and they, they make this deal to denuclearize. Oh, sorry for pronouncing that. It's a little bit of a difficult word. And uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's great news. But I'm just a little bit concerned, though, about how this will work out in the very end, because, you know, Trump is quite a volatile man, put it mildly, so you never know, especially after what happened uh, during the G7 um, meeting, when he slammed the Canadian president saying that he has a special place in hell reserved for himself so i mean hashtag no filter (laughs) yeah no look i agree with both of you and and like you said matt whether you love trump or hate trump honestly it's irrelevant whoever's involved whatever gets said whatever you know is is needed to bring bring a, a negotiation to the table i think that the most important thing we should all be focusing on isn't the people involved in the deal, but the fact that after so many decades, the Korean people, both North and South, might finally have a chance at peace the way that East and West Berlin did back in the 90s when they tore down the wall. I think that this is, is absolutely fantastic news. Whether you're you're into crypto, not into crypto, this this is above all of us. This is above Bitcoin. This is above you know any form of Lambo to the moon. This, this is a chance for some people to have peace that they haven't had in... in for some people an entire lifetime so i, th- I think credits you know credits uh due where credits due and both of them dictator and uh, north uh, north korea's dictator and president trump coming together might you know finally signal to the world that you know peace is peace is on the horizon and the next uh the next issue would be the israeli and palestinian but we'll take one step at a time what do you think hey i think they've given out nobel peace prizes for less so just saying but that being said, I think Kim looked a little bit taller than I was expecting. I thought my yes. suspicions that he was wearing lifts. I don't know. There's, there's some out kind of juice going on in his heels. That's uh, walk, walk, walking my out in those, walking out in those pumps, those stiletto heels. 
But lots of politicians, in fact, do. Like the former president of France, Nicolas Sarkozy, he was also quite short and he wore heels. And the former president of Russia, Dmitry Medvedev, he also like wore heels. So lots of them do because, well, because they're pretty small. And it's probably not that nice when you stand next to Barack Obama or somebody, or even Donald Trump. Well, did you know that Robert Downey Jr. wore heels in all of the Avenger movies and all of the Iron Man movies? He's actually a lot shorter than you think he is. He actually has to wear pumps to make himself look taller in the movies. There's oh, photos. Really? There's photos online of him walking around in his in his high heels, mate. It's the most. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> Robert, if you're listening, I love you, mate. I love your heels too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you've offended him. He's uh, he's upset after listening to this. Yeah, he, he's uh, he's taking his Bitcoin back to the Arc Reactor. He's he's coming. He's coming in his Mark. I don't know what are we up to? Forty eight, fifty eight, sixty eight. The only thing I'm a little bit concerned about is whether North Korea and the US actually understood getting rid of uh, nukes the same way. Like you know that they would like that North Korea would actually get rid of nukes because. Um, well, because you never know. I mean, it's a close country after all. It's difficult to know for sure what's happening down there. Maybe they think that the U.S. should get rid of uh, that nuclear shield in South Korea as well. So that is a little bit unclear from the news, actually. I, I wouldn't put it past North Korea to hang on to their nukes the same as any other country that has them. Because as long as one country has nukes, every other country is going to want them as well um, as a deterrent. It's going to take the entire world to to disarm before a single country disarms. I don't think it's a, it's a matter of North Korea will disable uh, dis- disband and their nukes. I think they might disband in their nuclear program um, and stop firing the missiles and testing. But I think that they'll, they'll hide, you know, hide the nukes that they do have just, just in case, you know, something happens. The same as the US, the same as Russia, the same as China. But hopefully at least if the missiles stop flying uh, over Japan, heading towards Guam and, you know, it might actually open the border, and I think that that's the most important thing. Not the, not the that nukes, but the uh, the chance for the South and North to finally reunite as one people once again. Yes, totally agree. So, what do you guys think of the Red Sea? Ooh. How are you doing with it, <laughs> Maddie? I'm going to let you go that one first because, uh, yeah, I'm still crying, mate. Yeah, I'm tearing up as well. I, uh, it's been a tough one. It's been a tough one. And it's hard to, I find, Alicia, like it's hard to to point to anything. You know, I, I covered it in the news. Yes, there have been these um, sort of instances of you had the CFTC saying, okay, we're, we're going to demand data now from these four exchanges that were working with the CME for the Bitcoin futures because we suspect there's manipulation going on here. That's still kind of like an ambi- like a middle of the road kind of it's th- it doesn't have really a positive or a negative valence, right? Like maybe they they could uncover data manipulation with their research, fine, maybe not, but and then a lot of other people pointed to the fact that in addition to that news, there was the coin rail hack out of South Korea that really started moving the market in a downward direction, but mm. I, I pointed it out in my piece like that was a 40 million US dollar hack, 40 million. Out of, out of so to have now million dollar trading uh, trading volume per day or something. Yeah, two to three million 24 hour volume. So a fairly small exchange, if anything. And for that to like translate into now 40, it's probably what is it now, like 60 or 70 billion dollars in yeah. terms of negative retracement. Like it's so out of proportion with the original news. I, I don't get it. I think there's 
a lot of stuff behind the scenes and you have big money movers that are maybe using that as an excuse. But the rest of the news has been pretty positive. And we'll get to some of it later. But I mean, there hasn't been a lot of bad news outside of that coin rail hack. And uh, it's just like the contrast is just too extreme. It's like something out of the twilight zone. What do you guys think? I agree. I agree. And I think that, like, you know, still, uh, I mean, maybe the market is losing money because of that regulatory clampdown. And we published an article on how the Department of Justice is looking into whether a Bitcoin price is being manipulated. So maybe, like, you know, it's uh, it's been accumulating and now it's kind of like an eruption. But I must admit that when James wrote to me about the Red Sea, uh, like I didn't know the term and I took it literally <laughs> and, I and I Googled it. And of course, I found the Red Sea and I'm well, I did not feel particularly intelligent that moment. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Well, you thought it was the one that Moses parted back in the back in the old books. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, I thought, but how is this related? Like, I didn't know the term, so it was, uh, it was indeed quite amusing. So, what do you think, James? I think, look, there's like what you were saying, Matt. Um, honestly, I don't believe that forty billion dollars just up and walked out because someone hacked an exchange that does a trading volume of two or three million a day. That just doesn't happen. Um, the fact that there's going to be the clampdown and the investigation in for possible manipulation may have scared people out of it um, that were manipulating it and they didn't want to get caught because a lot of these people believe that Bitcoin and all of these other coins can't be traced. I think that's where they've gone, oh, you know, oh crap, they're coming in, they're going to audit, they're going to check. Tax time's around the corner for a lot of places in the world, including Australia. And I think that it's possible that one of those larger whales or a group of whales have decided to pull out now until things have calmed down. The other way that we could be looking at this is somebody out there is trying to drop the price further. I mean, looking at the coin market cap right now, Litecoin is under 100 bucks. Bitcoin has gone under $6,500 right now. Ethereum is under $480. Ripple is around 54 cents. Back when it was surging in uh, in January, some of the, the founders of Ripple were the richest people on the planet. This could be a potential way to completely drop the price, get as many of the green investors out that have uh, only recently come into the market going, oh, you know, it's a lot lower, scare them out of the market, drop it as far as possible. And then within the next month or two, this could absolutely skyrocket. The funny thing is, the uh, I believe it was the founder of Binance um, and it was it was only about a week after I'd actually mentioned it to you guys. The, if you go back over a six-month period between November 2013 through to uh, June 2014, and you look at the same time frame now, the the charts almost match identically. Like this is this is history being repeated. So this could be an ongoing thing. I think that the Red Sea has caused a lot of people, especially bought in around the January time. I'm not 100 percent sure when you got in, Matt. I got in roughly around the the July August mark, but only seriously started around September October. When when did you get in, Matt? Yeah, about that same time. So kind of. Yeah, about, about September-ish. Uh, I was monitoring a lot of stuff earlier, like summer of 2017, but not really investing much or not investing heavily, put it that way. And then, look, I mean, it's ongoing, right? So you have some positions that you basically secured earlier, and then I have some positions that, yeah, I bought uh, middle of January straight up. So that's, that's not ideal, but a couple of them you know, are obviously uh, retraced uh, as a result of that, for sure. I think we're, uh, we're all guilty of that, but... 
Like uh, when you when you look back at the prices that were back then, some of the prices now are very similar to what they were around that time. So I'm wondering whether people are trying to bring this back to that form of point because that was the actual trend line. Uh, we, we saw that massive surge and the money's gone out. If you take over a three year period, we're still going up. So for the people that are stressing out right now, and I know that we're all feeling it, look, we're all in the same boat here. We're all feeling the effects of this Red Sea because we all got the mad rush in January. A lot of people bought in around the January mark. A lot of people bought um, on, on going from that. Personally, I, I'm, I'm hodling a lot of what I've got. I've taken some profit on some and I'm accumulating over time. This is personal, like this is professional financial advice. So I want to make that very clear to all the listeners out there. But if you look at the trend line for the last, say, five years, we're still moving up. Where we are going to continue going up, I don't think that this is going to be taken out anytime soon. And I think what's bringing me through this red mark, this red sea right now, is knowing that while we feel the effects today over something that happened six months ago, we're going to be laughing about this in, say, five years' time. And trust me, $96 for a Litecoin, you might never see that again. <laughs> you know, in mm. five years' time, that could be the cost of what Ethereum is. I know. I'm still looking into it. I must admit, I'm a pretty careful lady. I can haggle <laughs> over $1. Yeah, I can haggle over $1 easily. So I'm still... But I guess that partially you're right. And also, I will refer to Spencer Boggart, uh, who is the CEO of uh, Blockchain Capital. And he made a good point uh, in an interview with CNBC when he said that, like, you know, Bitcoin is being, is being um, continuously institutionalized. So, I mean, it's like, you know, all of the big companies, even uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, they are opening a Bitcoin desk, right, I think, which uh, trades Bitcoin futures. And uh, it's a big mo move. So, I mean, it means that uh, this particular cryptocurrency is here to stay. Others are probably as well, but it's uh, only for our listeners to decide. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, definitely. I agree with uh, both of you and, and Alicia, for sure. I mean, we've only just really started hearing about the institutional news about the heavyweights that are coming in and, you know, they're kind of digging in their heels in this space, slowly setting up. So that's still got a long future that I'm very, very enthusiastic about. And James, to your point, I totally agree. I think that, um, you know, it, maybe it's a little bit more conspiratorial. Maybe we can't quite prove it, but I have that sense as well that some of the big players are positioning themselves or get ridding, getting rid of some of their assets, whatever, for tax purposes or what have you, or just, you know, setting themselves up for good buys for when that institutional infrastructure really hits the market. Because we like all these stories about Goldman Sachs, about JP Morgan patents, about NASDAQ expressing interest in crypto, about Fidelity Investments getting into crypto. Like none of these are going away. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's still something that that's that's on sort of the 2018 timeline that's going to, you know, uh, come closer and closer to maturation in the months ahead. So that that's sort of in the background. That's the context of all this. Um, again, like like you said a couple of times, like not financial advice here, but the way I look at it, and I am you know a fan of, of Litecoin. I'm a fan of some other stuff. You mentioned Litecoin. Um, I'm accumulating a little bit more while I can. The, the tech is only getting better with some of these projects, unless you're talking about you know maybe a verge. There's a, an issue there. You know that. <laughs> That's, that hasn't been a great situation for them. But for some of these established projects, for the ones that, and you know, honestly, I'm looking at more of the top uh, 20, top 30. I'm a little bit less speculative in terms of like uh, the, the coins lower down. But for those that have established themselves with a good track record, with a good team, 
um, you know, that, that I see a positive future for, I'm actually accumulating a little bit more because I agree with you, James. These prices are a little bit of a bargain. These prices are what enticed me going back like a few months. And maybe I took some profit on some of those investments as well. But like if, if it retraces to some of those original prices that I found so appealing in the first place, um, yeah, I'm putting in a little bit more while I have the opportunity because I see it as such. Uh, a good example, I think, in terms of the direction things are going, if you look at, you know, you brought up uh, Binance, for example, take a look at Binance coin, take a look at the, the user engagement. So Binance, despite having these really bad market conditions in the crypto space, Binance has quadrupled their user base mm. since January. And you see some of these coins that are just, not that this is a, a recession, I guess you call it retracement-proof coins. And I think the Binance token is one of them because it, it's just been this steady, consistent rise. Even recently, in light of all of this FUD, in light of all of these uh, these negative market conditions. And you know, it's kind of like little indicators like that that suggest to me, okay, despite the fact now we're, it's like six months in, we're still having... Um, some negative movement and all this retracement, but you, you look at some of the underlying fundamentals and it's not going away. So I just want to be able, again, not financial advice, but I, I'm just putting in a little bit here and there into my favorite projects. And, you know, I'm trying to be ready for that time when we come around the curve, whenever it is, maybe it's next year. I don't know. But whenever it is that the next sort of institutional fueled bull run hits, I'm holding on as well. So I, I'm in agreement with pretty much what uh, you guys have said for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, honestly, if, if we have learned anything from January, we all got excited. Um, you know, good things do come to an end to a degree. If the prices had continued going up the way that they had been over the last couple of years at a somewhat steady pace, we wouldn't be complaining um, with the tiny yeah. little drop compared to what it was back before December in November, early just December mode. The prices were pretty much relative to what they are now and people were buying in and then it surged massively and it's come back down to that, that kind of support line. So I think if we've learned anything by the next time it's going to come around, we'll become a lot more smarter. Um, I think, and I'd like to think that the people still listening to this are, are trying to go down that route of, of learning more, going, right, we may have made a few mistakes. Look, at the time, any single coin that really got listed on CoinMarketCap, you know, within 24 hours had, had gone up massively. And all these, you know, known as shit coins just absolutely flooded the market. And I think now we've got to consolidate, go, right, what's... What's really going to you know stay? I think David, uh, the guest that we had last week that came on, he's dead right. It's it's all about accountability now. Um, all these all these different projects out there, it's it's now come to the point where people aren't just throwing money at it, going, oh my god, look at these gains. It's okay if I'm going to invest with you, I actually want to know what the hell you're doing and make sure that you're going to provide the uh, the service and the technology and, and back what you say you're going to do because right. It's uh, it's causing problems. It has caused a lot of the problems, I believe. Uh, you had the issue with BitConnect. I mean, Jesus Christ, that was I think that was known as one of the largest Ponzi schemes to ever be pulled. I mean, two two billion or whatever it was was completely dropped in half an hour. It was ridiculous, you know. And I think a lot of people uh, are now wise being a bit more wise to it that's my that's uh that's my take on it yeah it's unfortunate that we're still kind of we're weeding out those companies or those projects that uh, that give the space a bad name you know because if we had uh, if we had bitcoin we had ethereum ripple bitcoin cash litecoin eos i guess the i don't know the jury may still be out on eos but if, if you could judge the space by the quality and the caliber of the, the, the biggest and the best projects, it'd be a very different story. 
Unfortunately, we got to sift through these instances of BitConnect scams and other things. And, mm. you know, like that, I don't know, that that's where I'm a little bit hopeful that the regulation, once the growing pains are kind of sorted out, I'm, I'm hopeful that the regulation will actually help and it'll add a sense of security for new investors and kind of stabilize the space. Definitely. Um, remains to be seen, but that's hopefully what I'm looking to see. I'm trying to be an optimist. <laughs> yeah, what I'm hoping to see is with all the with all that's been going on, like you said, the regulations will hopefully weed out these. I think that with all of what happened back in December um, and, and early January, people are going to be wise enough to self-regulate them. You know, they'll actually regulate themselves and go, right, if it's too good to be true, maybe it is. I mean... I can't remember what BitConnect was actually doing, but it was saying something like you could earn 720% of uh, per day on your investment after four months of investing 25 grand. I mean, if you're walking away with $1,400 a day for doing absolutely nothing, that's not going to last. And I think that people yeah. now are going to are going to regulate themselves and go, right, is this going to be another BitConnect issue? Yeah, Lisa, I agree. Anything to add? Yeah, I only have to add that I also agree with you that uh, governmental intervention is... a always needed to some extent otherwise it's going to be just the wild west and uh, mm. like you know only a few will profit immensely and the others will be left broke and that is uh, obviously not fair yeah they agree yeah. well maddie you uh, you mentioned about uh, binance coin and, and that all well, the uh, one of the one of the news articles that we uh, we posted on altcoinbuzz.io for anybody that has that has had a chance to uh, to read it. That was written by Chris. Um, not again. Pronounce your last name Perota. <laughs> I can't pronounce half of these names. Um, Binance. Binance is looking at adding another fiat support to the network. So people in Europe that go by the euro will have a chance to inject the euro current uh, euro fiat into Binance and. Uh, I think it's going to be a really positive, um, positive influence because it might bring a, a, a whole range of people back into the market, especially if they're only saying euro is the beginning. You know, other countries being involved and in getting their their fiat involved into Binance is, is only going to uh, help the help the system out. What's your take on it? I think that like uh, I'm not an economist, uh, but the eurozone is still in in quite, kind of a bad condition, to be honest. So maybe this move will also help to boost it somehow. Mm. Uh, what do you think, Matt? You know more about economy than I do. I'm, I'm not sure about that. When I speak <laughs> nine languages, I'll get back to you. So uh, I think Binance is a beast. Um, I think they're making all the right moves. You know, like I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of collective psychology in the crypto market, and it's so irrational, right? It, it, it swings and it moves in these ways that don't line up with reality. And I think this latest drop has, has been indicative of that. I think Binance is really one of those underlying indicators that shows a company that, that's solid, that ex is expanding strategically. It's moving into Malta for strategic reasons after the regulatory problems out of, out of Asia, right? Uh, it's it's really positioning itself very well. And as I mentioned, it's user base, despite this crash, whatever you want to call it in the crypto space since January, it's user base has quadrupled in the last few months in, in basically the worst possible market conditions you can imagine. So when this is firing on all cylinders and when the crypto market cap is coming, creeping back up on a trillion, maybe in the future, you know, multiple trillions, who knows? Can you imagine where Binance is going to be? I mean, it's going to take oh, over the world. Might, yeah. And, <laughs> and exactly as you said, James, I think as good as it is to hear about the euro pairing, 
that's great news. You know, whatever can make it easier for an investor to get into the space, whatever can make it more efficient and more convenient, that's fantastic. But as you said, if, if this is sort of like, and, and what they're hinting at the fact that this is the first of possibly other um, fiat pairings, that's what's most encouraging to me. That is really something that I'm just like salivating over that prospect. I think it's great news. I think that uh, Chen Peng is, is a really strong leader of Binance. I think he's doing a lot of the right things. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very satisfied. Like I use their service. I'm on the exchange pretty regularly. I'm very satisfied with their with their work. And uh, I'm excited to see what comes next. I think they're doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. And if uh, if Mr. Chen Peng is uh, listening, mate, you have got one sexy <laughs> website. It is so easy to use, mate. I think that mwah, you've, you've nailed it, mate. Um, it's, it's, it's user-friendly. Um, anyone that really doesn't really know how to work a trading platform can learn pretty quickly on how to use Binance. On top of that, the crypto market, what I love about the crypto market is how friendly most people are. Um, unless you're talking to the community from Verge as of this point, but we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll ignore them for the time being. Other than them, you know, the community is fantastic. If you go on YouTube, there are so many tutorials on how to use Binance properly, on, on, on how to set up your own, uh, your own account on Binance, and, and people want this space to grow. I think Binance is definitely collective of, of positive minds at this point as well. So, the, uh, like you said, the salivating about the currencies, honestly, for a lot of countries like Australia, and, and I don't know what it's like in Canada, but we've really only got very marginal options that we can use in putting fiat into the crypto world. And that, that limits it and creates almost like a monopoly for a lot of places. And I believe that's what, what similar happened to, uh, to South Korea earlier this year and last year, because they were getting charged an immense amount more than anybody else because they really only had one choice. So the fees were astronomical. Um, so I don't know, I don't know if you remember that, uh, Matt and Leash, but that was, that was earlier this year. That was a massive problem with, right. uh, with the South Korean situation. So this, this is only going to be positive uh, for the world, I believe. Yeah, good with you. Maybe then Leish will uh, put some, put her money where their mouth is. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, I will definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember still this conversation made me recall this situation when I was a kid and I lost something like, um, I don't know, four bucks maybe in this coin machine, you know, where you would <laughs> drop coins. And I was... I was so devastated. I was crying and crying, and I thought that I lost the fortune. So I, I still kind of remember that, and uh, like I don't know, I'm I'm being careful for the time being. But maybe something will change my mind. Maybe it'll be the Euro uh, Binance getting Euro fiat into the uh, into the exchange. Maybe <laughs> you never know. We'll all be following you for advice in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Alicia, if you do choose to get into the game, you can always pick up some Ethereum Classic, courtesy of Coinbase. Not just yet, though. It's still a few months ahead. So check out this article, guys, on altcoinbuzz.io. Um, you have Coinbase, which has now basically come out and revealed that it's adding Ethereum Classic uh, at some point down the road. They're not just ready for it yet. And I'm a little bit surprised by the choice because I, I would have not not that it's a bad choice, but I you know, we all heard about these rumors of Ripple and, and some other uh, projects and maybe, I don't know, it was even Tron, there was discussion of that. Um, I would have expected maybe something else to be added to Coinbase before Ethereum Classic, but this seems to be 
what they've chosen to do. They're going to roll it out a few months from now to make sure that, as they say, that it's properly integrated on the platform. Uh, what do we think about this? Excited? James? Oh, mate, I'm, I'm extremely excited. I think it's about time that we've had another low-level uh, crypto, low-costing crypto uh, come to Coinbase. Coinbase still, I believe, is the most downloaded exchange platform on the Android phone and the uh, Apple phone out of those Apple stores and the Play Store. So with a lot of investors using their phone to inject fiat in, like myself personally, I use Coinbase. It's, it's probably one of the easiest tools I've got. I use Coinbase and from there I send it through to the exchanges. You know, when you when you jump on there, for instance, I'm looking at, the, like I said, the coin market cap at the moment. If you jumped onto Coinbase right now, you'd find Bitcoin is about $6,500. Uh, you know, you get a new investor in there, oh, $6,500. Okay, what's next down the, down the list? Ethereum, $481. Oh, a little bit too rich for my blood. Let's move down the list. Bitcoin Cash, 854 You know, you, you keep going down and then all of a sudden, if they in, introduce Ethereum Classic, which is at the moment $13.68, for, say, $6,500 to buy one Bitcoin, you could buy an absolute bucket load of Ethereum Classic. And I think that something like that coming into Coinbase might be that incentive to get people back into the market. On top of that, I have a very strong feeling, just like with Bitcoin Cash when it was dropped, when Ethereum Classic goes on to Coinbase, it's at, currently at rank 18. My, my projection... Um, would be, and this isn't financial advice, this is my own, I believe that Ethereum Classic may go into the top 10 uh, not long after it going on Coinbase. Give it about a month or two because it's mm. going to... I reckon that Bitcoin and, you know, Bitcoin, Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash will still have people investing money into it, but if I could buy one whole Ethereum Classic for 13 bucks, trust me, I know where my money's going. What about you, Leash? Well, I can only say that I think that it's... It's good for the crypto market. I think that it only shows that it's here to say, just like Spence Brogger thing. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I, I I think that's a good point. Like psychologically, that price point is going to have a big impact. And a lot of people were saying that about you know Ripple as well. And just if 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 nothing else, like all else being equal, you go in. Maybe you have equal knowledge about projects. You say, okay, I can own multiple versions of this coin versus like some small embarrassing fraction of a Bitcoin, you know, for whatever I want to put in. Um, and there's just like a, a psychological sense of, Definitely. I don't know, like accomplishment to say, okay, well, I can have however many uh, Ethereum classics I, I want to uh, acquire. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, an interesting projection. I, I think for that reason, given the popularity of Coinbase, you could definitely see ETC move up uh, in rank. So it's a, that's a great point you made there. And I agree with you fully. Um, I'd like to see Coinbase continue to, um, add, not, not to go overboard, but it would be nice to see them add some additional projects in the future. And uh, what's cool about this announcement is that they said, kind of like we're talking about Binance, right? The, the possibility of future fiat pairings. And now you have Coinbase, which seems to be suggesting possible future intentions to maybe look at some other ERC-20 tokens. Mm. And they also talked about Bitcoin forks. So that's very, very hypothetical. There's there's nothing really to base it on currently, but if they're expressing an openness to that, um, something to keep an eye on. It will be interesting to see what else they potentially add down the line. Baby steps, mate. We've, we've, we've just got to take baby steps. Look, I think that they're, they're making a positive move. They added Bitcoin Cash. That was the last one that they added. Now they're adding in a, in a coin that's worth $13. This $13 coin, as it currently stands, going into Coinbase, I believe Coinbase is doing that to attract 
the the investors that are let's let's call them the weekend warriors you know they come in and go oh i could buy you know like you said it's a psychological thing oh am i going to buy 0.00042645 whatever bitcoin or can i buy 200 ethereum classic you know it's that right. psychological point and i think that that's what think of it like the bait on a fishing on, on a fishing hook this is just something to attract attract the fish but it starts the it starts the investing process you know you got to learn to crawl before you walk so if this gets them into the market then you take them to the next step and then the next step and the next step and then eventually they become listeners on our podcast and uh can criticize us as much as they want <laughs> i think you have a point there because i mean if i were to start investing right now i'd probably buy ethereum classic instead of a fraction of a bitcoin because people always want to have something which is somehow tangible you know complete they want to fool something yeah 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 something full because uh and uh, because like a fraction it's ah i don't know mm. <laughs> i have a zero 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 point one percent of bitcoin how cool is that right no that doesn't sound as cool as having 200 uh, ethereum classic coins my honest belief is that's why they're doing it this isn't for the already invested people. This is to bring in a new wave of people. Yeah, agreed. For sure. Now a quick word about our amazing sponsor, Cold Storage Coins. You can now store your cryptocurrencies on actual cold coins made of fine copper, silver, or gold. Each coin features a unique wallet ID and laser-etched private key, which is concealed beneath a tamper-evident holographic film. You simply scan the QR code on the back in order to transfer your funds to the coin. There's no hardware associated with these wallets, and they are hack and fireproof. This is a very fun, safe, and inexpensive way to store cryptocurrencies. Please visit coldstoragecoins.com for more and use our code BUZZ10, all capital letters, for a 10% discount. Now back to the podcast. Yes. So great news from the European Union. Um, on the 18th of June at 6 p.m. CST, it will hold an Ask Me Anything session about blockchain. And for those of you who are not very familiar with the U.S., like the world's uh, largest trading block, it consists of 28 states, but soon one is going to leave it. We don't know when, but it's the United Kingdom. And I think... Uh, it's, it's held by the EU Blockchain Observatory Forum, and it's one of the uh, initiatives by the uh, European Commission. So, I mean, I'm not going to go into details because the EU is a huge bureaucratic monster. There are so many commissions and everything there. And uh, I, I, used to, uh, I used to live in Brussels for a little bit, so I saw them with my own eyes. And uh, they are enormous, uh, all of those institutions. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. It's like they are enormous. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and they're not very popular with the young people so i mean i see this move of um, european commission as a sort of a move which would try and attract more use uh because obviously the eurozone which i mentioned before it's still not in a good condition so many people are unemployed i'm not sure what the situation is like in greece right now but i think uh, that's something like 25 percent of uh, the young people there are unemployed and I think that it's great that they try to, they're, they're trying to reach out those people at least via this way, like, you know. And during that session, uh, which is going to be on Monday, uh, they will explain the basics of the blockchain technologies and how you use it and talk about the future and answer all the questions. And you can do it uh, on Twitter and you have to use their 
hashtag, which is AMA blockchain at EU blockchain. And then they will answer your questions uh, live on YouTube. I mean, for more information, our listeners can also can always go on altcoinbuzz.io. That's where the article is. So, yeah, I think that it's great that they installed this uh, agency in the first place, this EU blockchain observatory and forum, uh, because uh, they are, in fact, cooperating with a number of uh, universities, like University of Southampton, the Knowledge Media Institute at the Open University, University College London, as well as Consensus. And, uh, you know, it just shows that EU is getting on board. And so, always a positive thing. What do you think, Matt? It seems positive. I, I don't. This is a story that, like, I don't have my my finger on the pulse of it. Uh, not being in Europe, not being part of the culture there, but it seems like a good thing, a good step. Uh, Alicia, you also reported on um, the blockchain voting proposals that have come out of Switzerland, which I know is not in the EU, but that you know is in the neighborhood. It seems to be related. So this is good stuff. And I mean, I'm reminded of our discussion with uh, David Freuden in the last podcast. And I thought he raised a really good point, you know, and he kind of adopted the perspective of the consumer who's asking themselves, well, how do I use blockchain to order my next hamburger? And he kind of reframed. He said, that's not really the question you want to be asking. You want to be asking is uh, in terms of the production, in terms of the supply chain of this hamburger you know, being raised on a farm, uh, being processed, being prepared, and then being served to me, how much blockchain went into that supply chain. That's the real impact of the technology. And I think there's a lot of potential for that here, because, I mean, if we're talking about the EU, we're talking about trading, we're talking about logistics, we're talking about all kinds of international arrangements, some of which may be pretty monstrous and bureaucratic, Lizia, like you said. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't even wrap my mind around the ways that uh, this has potential. Uh, I wouldn't have expected this level of kind of openness for them to be hosting an AMA, for them to be, you know, kind of uh, flirting with the idea, with the technology, talking about it very openly. I didn't think that, I, I put it this way, I wasn't expecting it. So it's an encouraging thing to see. And um, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or another, but it, it's yeah, that's just that's just my impression. It's a nice thing to see. Let's let's uh, keep on it, see what happens, James. Yeah, I, f first up, I want to say that you've done an absolutely fantastic job with this uh, with this article, Leisha. And for anybody that that really wants to get a more inside view, uh, definitely go to our website at altcoinbuzz.io and, and have a look at it. Um, unfortunately for me, this is going to be running at about midnight for me on, on the 18th of June, more like the 19th of June for me. So you guys have it a lot easier with, uh, with it being 6am for you, Matt, and, uh, only, oh no, no, 12, 12, uh, midday for you. And, uh, yeah. six in the afternoon, Felicia, I'm going to be sitting there with my eyeballs hanging out of my head, trying to, trying to listen to this. <laughs> No, uh, uh, then again, guys, you're not from the European Union, and neither am I, haha. <laughs> so there's no point asking. <laughs> that was the most sarcastic haha -ha I've ever heard you do. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. I was just saying that, like, you know, for the European Union citizens. But I guess that uh, people from other countries can also ask them questions. Yeah, well, I mean, when? I mean, this this is going to affect the whole world. I mean, you're talking not just one country here. This is a whole collective of countries. This is the, not the, the European Union, 
as much as it might be falling apart at the moment, and there's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, as you said, there's a lot of countries that are, are still feeling the effects of the global financial crisis. Can you guys believe that was 10 years ago? That yeah. was a decade hard, hard ago. Hard to believe. But and there are still countries like Greece that are suffering from, from that. Um, yeah. this, this may, you know, this might be uh, the beginning of something that will finally pull a lot of those European countries out of, out of, the, out of the storm, so to speak. Uh, the fact that the European Union, as, as you stated in the uh, in the article that was uh, spoken by from the agency, where they aim to accelerate the blockchain uh, innovation and development of the ecosystem within the European Union, and so help cement Europe's position as a global leader in the transformative new technology. If all of these countries are coming together in that positive stance, this isn't just going to be a small impact. We're talking... Uh, a very large portion of the world leaders in one place trying to, to push something forward that like we've mentioned in multiple times in articles as well as as on the uh, on the on the news broadcasts and and the news that you do Maddie it's going to create a whole wave of potentially new jobs um, this is going to bring in a whole new technology that's going to need workers and a lot of these people like you said the younger people the younger generation that they want to try and get involved might pull them out of unemployment because it's giving them a position in the industry in an industry that doesn't exist yet so I, yeah. I i think this is extremely positive news i think anybody that's listening to this really have some good good questions think about some good questions and i would urge you to definitely go on to this live stream and ask some questions really get the message out there that this this needs to happen and if we can push the european union in the right direction this is going to affect everyone because look at the end of the day the baby boomers are on their way out they're all retiring they're only a couple of years from you know six feet in the, in the ground the generation x is are, are going to be in retirement next our generation is is left after the G gfc to clean up this mess yeah that's true i totally agree with you and it's also very promising that uh, prior like uh, Maria Draghi, president of the European Central Bank, which oversees the Eurozone market, he already held a similar session, and they were discussing whether Bitcoin can offer a viable alternative to traditional currencies. So we can see that, like you know, the process is on; it's uh, it's happening, and it's very encouraging indeed, because uh, Europe needs uh, some innovation for sure. That I can promise you. We hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, and 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 additionally, you mentioned all the people that are kind of bullish and and uh, pro crypto here, but. European Commission Vice President too, like he's got some great comments and um, seems to be quite enthusiastic about distributed ledger technology. Uh, so this is kind of coming at us from multiple angles. I would like to think it's good news. Again, it's kind of in its infancy, but encouraging to hear and really positive. I'm curious though, Alicia, why? So you say that the European Commission is arguably more important uh, than the EU. What are your thoughts about that? Just no, maybe tangent here, but I'm just curious. Okay, no, it's the European Commission is like drafts law, and okay. then uh, it's uh, it submits this law for review to Council of Ministers, uh, which are represented by ministers of the uh, like ministers of the European Union, and then uh, it co-decides with the European Parliament. And the reason why I know so much about it is because I did a master's degree in European affairs, so it doesn't just <laughs> come out of the blue. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very complex system, and there's so many people involved. It's uh, there, like in inside the European Commission alone, there are 28 uh, what are they called commissioners in charge. Mm. 
and that's like a huge bureaucratic machine and then there are 28 ministers and then there are like other 28 ministers if i'm not mistaken and there are then people there's... with titles to name other people with titles <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly exactly and like you know it's funny because many of them criticize the european union being inside the european union but at the same time, they don't want to leave it. At least those guys who sit in there uh, inside the European Parliament, because their pay is something like close to ten grand of uh, euros. So I mean, where else would you find such a lucrative job? And uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and there are seven hundred and fifty deputies in that parliament. Uh, oh, yeah, and, they, and like, and on top of that, uh, every couple of months, I think they travel from Brussels. To Strasbourg, just because. No need, like, no reason, just because. Now I know why they're, they're all, all of these countries are in financial crisis. All the taxpayer dollars are going, <laughs> yeah. are going into, uh, into five-star meals and creating name tags for people. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, hope, I hope my classmates uh, are not listening to this because they're <laughs> extremely pro-EU. <laughs> and, and I'm, like, sitting here and publicly, publicly criticizing it. No. <laughs> well, you're a journalist. That's kind of your job. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Nobody wants a positive journalist out there. Everybody wants to hear some kind of uh, critique all the time. And I think I'm doing a good job when it comes to criticizing. For sure. And it's nice to see that, you know, both institutions, the EU and the EC, are kind of lining up. They're on a, a similar page, at least, with regards to blockchain. Like, we have proponents on, uh, on both sides of the fence there in terms of the, uh, the the governmental structure. So that's great to see. It's um, especially those comments by the EC vice president. Those are those are fantastic. Hope to see more uh, of those. I'm sorry to interrupt you here, but it's like, it's not, EU is not an institution. It's a union. EC oh, is an institution, yeah. <laughs> getting my semantics mixed up, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so moving on from that, guys, we're going to go to a uh, article that's, Yours truly wrote. I think I did a bloody good job. You know, if my head got any bigger, it wouldn't fit through the double doors. I want to say thank <laughs> you, Matt, by the way, for for pronouncing my name right. It makes makes me feel all butterflies every time you say it correctly. Just just say it for me one more time. <laughs> well, I've been admonished uh, so many times, sort of uh, off air, that there's been no excuse. James came down on me pretty hard. He's like, "It's scary." Scarrett. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. We've been getting a lot of FUD um, over the last couple of months, and I think that we needed a, a form of good news. And uh, I think that this is a really good form of good news for people that haven't read the article. It's about Bitcoin saving lives in Africa. And you might think that that's a bit of a corny title, but it's not. Uh, Bitcoin really has saved lives in, in, all across Africa. From, from Ethiopia all the way over to Nigeria, especially in Uganda. Um, Uganda at the moment, you, you talk about 25% uh, unemployment rate through, say, Greece. Uganda's unemployment rate is so high, it's not even measurable um, at this point. They're not sure how many people are, are working and um, opposed to not working because a lot of their country doesn't get recorded the way that the Western world does. And I was reading through a number of articles and news reports out of uh, out of Africa um, from a organisation that believes in the gospel of Bitcoin, and for a lot of people out there that might laugh at this, this actually means something. While to these people, while a lot of investors got into this, going, "I want Lambo next week and Lambo to the moon," 
These people are just worried about what they're going to put on their table to eat at night. We take for granted every day. These people are just trying to have the opportunity to live a somewhat normal life. I mean, the, I was absolutely blown away by this, and I don't know if you guys knew this prior to the article. The actual average earning income in Uganda is $87.21 a year. That's wow. that's ridiculous. Could you imagine living on that? Well, it also depends a little bit on the prices down there. The prices are the, the most people actually trade; they barter because they don't oh, have okay. the currency. Yeah. They don't have the currency mm. to buy things. These people are building their own houses. There are settlements being built, and I'm not joking you. They're getting plastic bottles, filling them with dirt, making filling them with uh, with the little water or. They've even got animals urinating in these bottles to create some form of like a mud um, inside of these bottles and they're using them to create the foundations to their home. Uganda is in a lot of trouble um, at the moment. A lot of country, uh, a lot of countries in Africa are. And we, I was looking at something that was done by a gentleman called Richard M. Bagaroga or Bagarogo. I, I apologize if you're listening and I thought your name wrong. But he's a extreme advocate for Bitcoin in Uganda. He lives in the capital of Kampala, and uh, he's been trying to convert a lot of people. Now, Maddie, you did a you did a news report um, on my article a couple of days ago, and this got released, and it it really is mind blowing that they these people they don't a lot of them don't understand about Bitcoin or the technology, and even the thought of earning more money than what the average wage is, is just so mind-blowing to them that when someone like Mr. Richard goes out there and says, we, we can actually earn more money, what he earned in 18 months from investing in Bitcoin was the equivalent of a 10-year salary. It, it's absolutely yeah. mind-blowing. And when he spoke about that to his own village, they told it, They told his father that he was insane. Um, he had to come back in and talk to these people and then sit them down and show them how to use, uh, how to you know create an account and invest with Bitcoin. And a lot of the banks over there at the moment are telling these people, don't invest in Bitcoin. It's too risky. Look, if you're living on less than ninety dollars a year, you're talking between pick, you know, the better of two evils here. Either you don't invest in Bitcoin and you live on less than ninety bucks a year, or not a wage at all because you can't find work. As Richard said, it's nearly impossible to find work in Uganda at the moment. And he's an educated teacher, um, and he said it, it's across all fields. It's not just his. So you're either listen to the banks. You go right. I'm going to live my life on less than ninety dollars a year, or I'm going to take the risk and invest in something that may just possibly give me the opportunity to have a hot meal on my table every single night. Something a lot of these people haven't had for possibly years. Yeah, I think that uh, this is, of course, horrible that people live on $100 a year. This is absolutely insane. It's uh, much more insane that this guy, according to his father, right? Because it also caught my attention that, that he said that your son has gone mad, right? Mm. I think that, uh, you know, commenting on what their government uh, has said, uh, I would slightly reformulate it and say that living in Uganda is a risk in, in itself. It's, uh, it's, not really, yeah, it's not really a financial risk anymore to uh, invest in Bitcoin under those circumstances. Uh, again, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it, is, it is quite horrible. And uh, by no means is it a, a lonely country in Africa. I mean, uh, hyperinflation in Zimbabwe... 
it also also happening like and like you know people are basically well their money is losing value every second just like in venezuela mm. i read that the uh, annual year on like chicken price inflation rate is something like 700 percent so i mean everything is yeah everything you earn is being devalued almost instantly uh Something alike, of course, happened in Ukraine as well in 2014, uh, following the Euromaidan events when, like, our currency lost, what, uh, something like uh, 200%, I think? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it is It is uh, ridiculous. So, yeah, Bitcoin is one way out, and probably this is why Ukraine is also sort of a crypto hub these days. Lots of people are getting interested in it because it's one way out. I mean, yeah, right now the the monetary policy is more or less stable, but still, you know, you never know what's going to happen next. And uh, it's great that uh, for Uganda, like for people in Uganda, it uh, it's just like you know, investing into Bitcoin happen uh, is helping them. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, James, I thought this was a great article. So well yeah. done. It was a really cool feature piece. And uh, it was personal, too, because it told the story of Mr. Uh, Bagarogo. And I just find the numbers astounding. Like, it's unbelievable. The fact that in those 18 months, he secured a decade worth of earnings. You know, that's that's great on him. Like, that's a good job. He's, you know, he had to perhaps buck the trend and take a risk in order to, to achieve it. But he did. And I'm, I'm happy to hear about that. And just like the terminology of it, right? The gospel of Bitcoin, that he's spreading <laughs> the good news, that he's trying to present like the solution to his his family and, and friends and countrymen. You know, like that, it's encouraging. It's great. And I totally agree with you guys. I mean, um, Licia, it's exactly what came to mind for me. Like when I, when I hear about these situations, I don't know if Uganda is... Um, is as bad as some of the other, um, you know, like nations of the world in terms of hyperinflation. It sounds like uh, a problem there is the low wages. Unemployment is a big issue, James, that you mentioned. But when, like, whatever it is, like whatever form of dire straits you find yourself in, maybe you can't find work. Maybe your your currency is devaluing on a on a on a weekly or even a daily basis. For any central bank to come out and issue these stern warnings, I mean. For me, red flags go up immediately. And I'm reminded of Zimbabwe. I'm reminded of Venezuela. I think of like the Weimar Republic. Um, and I, I don't know, like I'm very, I become quite pessimistic in terms of my perception of those central banks, because for mm -hmm. them to argue that their established option of that $87 per year average annual salary is the way to go. And you got to stick to that because anything else is a risk. I mean, it, it, it is a risk not to take a risk at that point. I just find that absurd. Um, and I, I don't exactly know. I mean, with Uganda specifically, I, I don't want to sound like I'm generalizing here, but you have all kinds of these issues. You have these issues in uh, certain African nations where you have a, a lot of, um, you know, like a lot of powerful leaders that are taking advantage of that situation there you can say corrupted. In poverty. They, they, they corrupted mate let, let's 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 call I'm, I'm hesitant spider, to say spider. that let's call sure. I'm hesitant to say that about Uganda because I don't know about the Ugandan situation specifically but when you have these individuals that are just lavishly living this this incredible luxurious life at the top while their citizens live in squalor again don't crucify me if that's not exactly the Ugandan situation but I would I would have to suspect that this statement by the central bank is kind of stems from a position of greed. 
Um, and it just seems like if, if I were in that position, hopefully I'd be an altruistic leader. Hopefully I'd be somebody, you know, like hope trying to spread some benevolence to my people. I would embrace Bitcoin as an economic miracle. If it's a path out in any form, in any way, shape or form, if it's a path out of that $87 annual uh, salary, that's something that you, you have to embrace. You have to go with, hit the ground running as fast as possible um, and just give it a chance. So really good expose, James. I thought it was cool. We, we wish the best to Mr. Bagarogo and, uh, and his friends and family. Um, and hopefully we see more people adopting some of that adventurous spirit because it does seem like the fact that he's been exiled, he's been socially ostracized, he's paying a cost for it, which is the unfortunate part of it. But as we talk about this more and more, hopefully the, uh, the stigma decreases and we have more people that can benefit from uh, positive moves going forward. Yeah, definitely. And like you're saying, it's unfortunate that he's had, you know, these things happen to him in the sense of ostracized and exiled, but it's it hasn't broken him. And I give credit where credit's due. I think the fact that he's still standing tall, he's still running with that community, um, and it's only growing. It is growing. I, I think that a, a lot of the people that kind of push it, the idea away, there are a lot of the older people. Um, as as he said, it's more the younger people he's trying to target because that's the next generation. That is the generation that is going to struggle because if he's struggling now and his father struggled, it's going to get worse as it, as it goes down. And I know that you're trying to avoid it by saying because you don't, you don't want to you don't want to basically label a country. But look, I'll do it for you. Look, a lot of these African countries, unfortunately, they're heavily corrupted. They've got, uh, you know, the blood diamond trade is still rampant in a lot of those countries. Um, South Sudan is just an absolute mess. Um, South Sudan has been has been a war torn country for God knows how long. Um, Central Africa, uh, the the Republic of Congo, a lot of these countries are just completely stricken by by corruption governments that only care about themselves, and so the countries go to absolute chaos because they don't give a damn. And if you try and stand in the way, the military gets brought in, or you've got the child soldiers that that run through Uganda and Central Africa as well. Like these people, you know, it's damned if you're damned if you don't. If you listen to the bank and go, right, I'm going to live on my $87 a year um, because the banks tell me so, well, you're kind of screwed. So these people have decided that the only way that they're going to survive, they have to be self-sufficient. Bitcoin is giving them an opportunity to earn money. I mean, these people are bartering between themselves because the currency that they earn is pretty much useless. So they're already doing um, bartering trades. This is like giving them back their own currency, so to speak. So the next time uh, you know you're out there, and I'm talking to everybody listening to this. Next time you're out there going, oh, you know, I, I want it to move because of a, of the Lambo. Just remember, there are people in Venezuela, there are people in Zimbabwe, there are people across all of Africa and South America and and through the Philippines as well. That all the, they don't care about a Lambo. Trust me, that is the last thing on their mind. All they care about is earn, having enough money to put a meal on the table at night. And we were talking about the Red Sea earlier tonight. While we might be feeling that effect. You know, because of the run-up in in January, just think there are people in Africa who are grateful still for this. And I think if anything's going to push us through the hardest times when the market does go down, is knowing that while we might not get the Lambo next week, we're pushing through a technology, a market that is helping people in these countries that are struggling to survive. We are helping them get an opportunity to live a life that you and I do every day for free. Yeah. And to substantiate our claims, I just looked up Uganda Corruption Index, and Uganda scored 26 points out of a 
100 on the 2017 Corruption Perceptions Index reported by Transparency International. So it's a pretty low score. It's a pretty low score, yeah, indeed. 26% is still too high. Yeah, I guess so. You know who is on top? North Korea. James. Yeah. <laughs> the king of the hermit. Uh, he's, he's the hermit king, yeah. isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Well, he's a good golfer, though. He got he got nine hole in ones on his first uh, round of golf. So was that real or was that uh, was that fake news? <laughs> yeah. I agree. Any corruption is uh, is too much. So it's uh, it was a cool piece, though, James, and uh, kudos yeah, for agree. highlighting that. I agree. But uh, the the real the real props needs to go to Mister Bagarogo, um, and for the people that are, are battling all, all over the world in Venezuela and the Philippines, we we see you. We hear you, and uh, we'll we'll do everything on our on our part to help raise the market on our side, so that you know it will help you and your families over there. So, I think that uh, I'd like to leave that on a bit of a positive note. What about you guys? Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's uh, great to see that such people actually exist, the ones who are helping the community. It means a lot at the very end of the day. Yeah, same here. Likewise, the positive side of, uh, of crypto can be pretty encouraging, even in the midst of all this fun. Absolutely, definitely. All right, guys. Well, uh, it was great doing the podcast with you both again, Leisha and Matt. Uh, I think we're getting better yeah. at this. <laughs> yeah. Getting there. Getting there. Yeah. Stop building <laughs> up. Okay, people. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast today. You can find our podcast uploaded every Monday and Friday on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, as well as our website. We'd love to hear what you think of our show, so please leave a comment and review down below. For more information about the news we just discussed, head over to our website at altcoinbuzz.io, where we publish all the latest news to keep you in the loop. So again, from the team here at Altcoin Buzz Podcast, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to catching you on the next episode. The information discussed on the Altcoin Buzz YouTube, Altcoin Buzz Ladies YouTube, Altcoin Buzz Podcast, or other social media channels, including but not limited to Twitter, Telegram chats, Instagram, Facebook, website, etc., is not financial advice. This information is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. Any information and advice or investment strategies are thoughts and opinions only relevant to accepted levels of risk tolerance of the writer, reviewer, or narrator, and their risk tolerance may be different than yours. We are not responsible for your losses. Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are high-risk investments, so please do your due diligence and consult a financial advisor before acting on any information provided. Copyright Altcoin Buzz, PTE Limited, all rights reserved.